Welcome to the BizTimes MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, an associate editor here at BizTimes Media, and I'm joined as always by BizTimes editor Andrew Wyland. Andrew, how's it going? Good, real good. Nice day today. Definitely. Sun's out. Well, let's dive in here. We got our insider story spotlight that we do every week, a chance for us to highlight some of the insider-only stories that were available on biztimes.com. Uh, insiders are subscribers to BizTimes, and if you're not already an ins- subscriber, um, it's really easy to do. Just click on the subscribe button on our homepage. If you are an insider, we really appreciate the support. Um, it helps make our work possible, so thank you. Uh, Andrew, what is your insider spotlight story this week? I want to call attention to a story about a company, um, a company called Millennium. Um, we had a story about them building a new headquarters in Delavan, which is in western Walworth County. Millennium is a company I really think people should, if you're not paying attention to, you should be, because they really are one of the most um, rapidly growing companies in, in, in the region, in the country, really. They've, they have made the Inc. 5000 list six times. That's impressive, and, and it's hard to do. You know, you make the Inc. 5000 list because you're one of the fastest growing companies in the country. You know, those tend to be smaller companies that are rapidly growing in size and can grow at crazy huge percentages when they're small. But at a certain point, you, you, you grow to where it's hard to keep up that, that crazy growth rate as you get bigger. So to be able to make that list six times tells you they're sustaining a very high growth rate even as they grow. So... That's pretty amazing. It's to the point where now we had a story this week. They've broken ground in Delavan on a new 75,000 square foot office and warehouse building. It can be their new headquarters. This is a company that provides materials and solutions for broadband networks. So this is a facility that will you know, serve their purposes and will be their headquarters. And it's, a, it's just a real sign that this is a company to watch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said... The law of big numbers kicks in at some point, and you can't keep growing at the pace that that lands you on the Inc. 5000 list. So, uh, speaking of fast-growing companies, that's where my insights insider story spotlight comes from. It's a few stories actually that I wrote this week on uh, the town of Genesee-based Generac uh, Power Systems. So, Generac uh, is probably best known uh, for making generators, specifically home standby ones. These are the kind that kind of sit uh, outside your home, kind of like an air conditioning unit, and kick on when the power goes out. They also make you know portable generators and a whole bunch of other equipment. So first story is that they've had just you know crazy sales growth. With everyone spending more time at home, they're, you know, people are more kind of aware of the need for power reliability. That's driving a lot of interest in their home standby generator. So they're looking at close to like a billion dollars worth of sales growth this year through three quarters. They reported their earnings on Tuesday. And they're just, I mean, they're trying their best to keep up with capacity, with uh, demand. They're kind of adding capacity into their facilities wherever they can. They added a new facility in South Carolina. They've converted a plant in Jefferson to making generators instead of other things that it used to make. So there's that front. The other thing they did this week is announce a potentially $770 million deal to buy Ecobee, which... Uh, is a maker of smart thermostats, kind of competes with Google Nest. And the reason they did that is they've been pushing into the energy technology space. So 
things that monitor the amount of energy you use in your home. Uh, they bought a company this year that does like a water heater control, things that help with you know converting power generated by solar panels on your roof uh, into power in your home, battery storage in the home. And their CEO and their executive team has this vision of kind of being the company you think of when it comes to your energy use, energy consumption in your home, energy generation. So two you know, really big stories from them this week. I had a chance to talk with Aaron Yagfeld, the CEO of Generac. Uh, it's kind of interesting. He, he's a self-admitted uh, home automation uh, geek um, and that he kind of, you know, he's, he's playing around with the Ecobee thermostat before really considering it as a, an acquisition target. Um, that's kind of how he was inter- his introduction to the brand and the company and he kind of realized it was something they could partner with. So that's where that kind of came from. So it was just interesting to get insight in kind of where their strategic direction is headed. And uh, we have several stories of, uh, on them from this week. Uh, before we dive into our big story, I want to highlight two of our upcoming events. On November 18th, we'll have our commercial real estate and development conference. Two panel discussions in that. One focused on the office market. The other focused on development hotspots. Uh, so that should be a great event December uh, on November 18th. And then on December 10th, we'll have our Innovation and Entrepreneurship Forum. If you're familiar with our Bravo IQ Awards event that has typically been at our Biz Expo in May, that's what this is. It's got a new name this year, a little bit of a new format, um, but it'll still be a great event to come to. Lots of great insights for entrepreneurs and innovators. Uh, so that's on December 10th. Uh, if you want more information on our events, come to biztimes.com slash annual dash events. With that, let's jump into a big story, one that broke uh, over the weekend, and uh, that was Harley-Davidson. Um, well, they didn't necessarily do anything in this case. The, the United States and the European Union uh, struck a deal on uh, some tariffs that had been in place for the last several years. You may recall back in 2018, uh, President Donald Trump had instituted tariffs on steel and aluminum coming from, among other places, Europe. Uh, the EU, in response, uh, levied tariffs on a bunch of kind of uh, you know very American products, Harley-Davidson motorcycles, bourbon whiskey, things like that. So Harley was faced with the prospect, their tariff on their motorcycles had already gone from 6% to 31%, and it had been delayed a couple times, but it was looking like the tariff in December was going to go to 56%. And Harley basically said, we can't pass that along to our customers. Um, it was like looking at I think, more than $2,000 a motorcycle. And they said, we're already a premium product. We're already priced at the top of the market. We can't pass that along. We'll be uncompetitive. And our dealers will lose out. Our customers won't buy bikes. So they're just taking the hit on their profitability. So the news this week was that the EU is going to you know, roll back those tariffs, which is huge news for Harley-Davidson. In this year's financials, they'll save about $3 million um, in costs. But next year is kind of really where the big shift is. They're going to save 200 to $225 million in costs in tariffs versus what they were expecting to have to pay. So a big shift, big potential improvement for them in terms of profitability. And Europe is not a small market for them. They ship something around 35,000, 40,000 motorcycles to, the, um, to Europe in a given year. So it's kind of their next biggest thing. And their market share in Europe has slid from around 10% to somewhere in the 6% neighborhood 
over the last several years while these tariffs have been in place. Some of that may be kind of strategic shift on their part, um, but it's definitely you know hampered their business. So definitely a big piece of news for a, a Milwaukee area company. Yeah, well, one of Milwaukee's <clears throat> obviously most iconic companies, a company that has you know struggled in recent years and has changed uh, leadership to try to to right the ship over there, and, and and this tariff situation was a big a big challenge for them. So you know it, it hopefully provides a boost for Harley. I mean, it sounds like what you were saying was that this was basically a retaliatory tariff by the EU in response to steel and aluminum tariffs. Now, this deal with this this new deal between the United States and EU, I imagine we're as well reducing our tariff or eliminating steel and aluminum. How's that playing out? Yeah, so I believe the way they structured it is that at least we'll allow um, tariff imports or EU exports of steel and aluminum to the U.S. at kind of historical levels. I think it's tariff-free. Above that, there may be something that hits, but kind of historic norms they'll be able to go back to doing. They're also agreeing to work together on kind of a sit, figuring out a system to tariff uh, steel and aluminum produced in higher emission ways. It's kind of aimed at China um, and you know steel coming out of there that may be produced in a, in a, in a dirtier way, for lack of a better way of putting it. So that was kind of one of the things the Biden administration was touting was this was a, a first-of-its-kind trade agreement to bring carbon into the equation of, of how to measure these tariffs and trade things getting at climate change, which is you know part of what uh, the president's in, in Europe for. So that's kind of how they were handling that. So I think it's going to back off the tariff, at least um, on historical levels of, of the goods. So, what we're, so where Harley is a clear winner here, does that mean American steel and American aluminum are kind of taking a loss a little bit on this deal? Because the whole, uh, the whole motivation for doing these tariffs in the first place by Trump was to boost the American steel and aluminum industry, correct? Yeah. So on the surface, it would seem there, you know, a bit of a lo- there'd be a bit of a loser here, but it also brings kind of some certainty into the market, restores somewhat of a norm, but I think kind of mm-hmm. updates some trade agreements and and kind of gets things on a better playing field than where we were maybe pre pre twenty eighteen period. So. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, obviously Biden has a different approach than Trump. That's no surprise. Trump had taken this real aggressive approach uh, on trade, saying that, you know, we had a bunch of bad trade deals and that he would use tariffs to try to leverage better trade agreements. But, of course, you know, for so long, you know, the prevailing wisdom was that tariffs were not a good idea, that free trade was good for the American economy to be participating in the global economy, to be taking advantage of larger foreign uh, market opportunities. And Trump flipped that that idea on its head and decided we're going to use tariffs to be aggressive and try to get ourselves better deals. And there were certainly, you know, I think there were, again, there were winners and losers kind of in that equation where some were benefiting, but some, like Harley, were clearly not. Mm-hmm. And there were other industries and other companies that were tariffs were causing a problem for them. It'll be interesting to see how Biden approaches, you know, Trump was very aggressive with China. 
which of course is a very different, very different country than than the EU situation. It, it's not as favorable of the relationship right now, especially with the COVID situation and a lot of people wanting, uh, you know, to to pay some retribution to China for the whole COVID situation. So it's very interesting to see how Biden approaches trade and approaches tariffs and these other trade deals. But certainly with the EU, there's there's a pretty dramatic a shift that we're, we're seeing already. Yeah. Thinking back to 2018, I think there were a lot of manufacturers that I can recall talking to that were supportive of the idea of being tougher on trade, of being, you know, having a more aggressive posture, a more protectionist type posture um, of American industry, but didn't always love the approach, didn't love the, you know, using a sledgehammer on a, a small nail, not actually a small nail in this situation, but, you know, that, that there was the big hammer of these tariffs that were kind of very broad and blanket when maybe more surgical type actions would have worked better. But, you know, at the same time, you know, surgical actions don't always get the desired effect. So mm-hmm. you, you can see why there was a need maybe to be aggressive, but it also created a lot of confusion and uncertainty and, in the case of Harley, costs. You know, they, they're going to have $61 million in tariff costs this year. Last year, I think it was $27 million or so, and the year before, uh, it was in the $90 million range. So that's a lot of money for a company that is, you know, challenged um, to be paying out um, in tariffs. Certainly, they, you know, made choices to source things where they chose to source them, made a choice about whether or not to pass those costs on. But at the end of the day, those are costs borne by the company. That's that's kind of give and take, and we'll see how it evolves here going forward. Uh, with that, we'll wrap up this week's weekly debrief. Uh, as always, check out our stories and coverage at biztimes.com. Andrew, thanks for joining me. You bet. See you later. This is Dan Meyer with BizTimes Media. You've been listening to the BizTimes MKE Podcast. For more business news and insights, be sure to go to biztimes.com and subscribe to any of our daily e-newsletters and our magazine, BizTimes Milwaukee.